everyone, welcome back to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm Tanning Grace, I'm joined by Ross Merriam today, as always, and we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings, the uh, arena championships this weekend, and then anything else that strikes our fancy along as we go. But Ross, before we get into all that, how you doing, buddy? It's been a uh, while. Yeah, it's been a, been a while. I'm doing okay. Um, you know, my partner has le- has gone back to England, and now the Boom. Jazz aren't playing for four days, so I don't really know what to do with myself. Yeah, have you considered getting a hobby? It was it was bad timing. My Other hobby is yelling Other at the drinking. TV while the Jazz are playing Tannen. Yeah. Well, I so, have a hobby. It's great. So that's the funny part because, like, I think you're uniquely suited to understand like how improved my life is during baseball season versus non-baseball season because I just have what would have been a three-hour thing every day for me to do. Now it's going to be about a two-hour and twenty-minute thing for me to do every day with the games being sped up as much as they're going to be this year. And interesting and you know eventually that'll just be the norm it'll be two and a half hours or whatever but yeah like my life is just better when i have a braves game every day to watch you know like i get to look forward to that i can like play my day around it or i can be like look i can't watch it then i just won't check the scores whenever i'm done with what i'm doing i'll come home and i'll watch the like 45 minute version of the game because i can watch the condensed version you know yeah. every every game is going to be like if mark burley's pitching yeah exactly like i love that you get that it's like you better be ready to go <laughs> it's like he's <laughs> you know that kind of thing so um, it should be, did you, uh, did you randomly see this thing? It was circling on Twitter the other day about the, uh, the umpire that was umpiring the, uh, it was like a university of new Orleans and somebody else game. Who's I, been the, the one where he just like called a blatant ball yeah, strike so, to end the game. So it's like, there's a one in one count. It's in like the bottom of the ninth or something, or it's, you know, it's in the ninth inning. It's like the last out of the game. And he calls a, a pretty bad pitch, a strike and the, and the batter like very much overreacts. But th- here's the thing. A lot of people were like, oh, you can't do this better. I'm like. This cannot be the first offense this game. Like, there's there's probably some stuff. We're missing some context clues before this. Yeah. There's probably been a very inconsistent, very bad strike zone, or maybe specifically with this batter, because the ball that he calls a strike is is not a strike. But then, now there's two outs, I mean, two strikes. The next one is in the other batter's box. Like, we're talking, if you swung at this, you'd have been made fun of for the rest of your life kind of pitch. It's bad. And, you know, strike three was called, and the ump just immediately walks up the field. And you can see even the players on the winning team are just like, what the hell just happened? And it's nice to see the umpires actually get in trouble for something like this. You know, he yeah. was immediately suspended. Um, you know, I don't know if this would happen in the major league level, but it was, I just didn't know if you'd seen that. It was so wild. I, I didn't see like a clip of, or in it, of it, but I just heard the story. And yeah, that's just, you can't be doing that as a, as a referee. Yeah. You're just taking the yeah. game in your own hands. Yeah. Turning, you know, what is a personal grudge into something that affects, you know, mm-hmm. 50 people. Sure. Source shit. Yeah. Uh I was gonna say, anything anything else been going on in the in the life lately? Um, you know, we're doing doing normal stuff, kinda waiting for it to warm up. We got like we got this odd weather pattern for like three weeks where during the week it would be nice and warm and sunny and everybody's busy, obviously it's the middle of the week, and then the weekend would hit Friday would come and suddenly it's just forty degrees and rainy every day yeah. until Monday. Yeah, it happened like three weeks in a row. It made no sense, um, and now we're sort of back to the you know not quite warm enough to start doing things outside. I'm I'm ready for it to be spring tannin. Yeah, I'm, I, I I'm not that. as bad as the rest of the Roanokers when it comes to dealing with winter because I'm from the north. But hey. I'm ready. I'm ready for spring. I think it'd be funny if you ever had to live around me for a few months during like actual winter. You would just have a new appreciation <laughs> of making fun of me because I I just hate the cold. I just do not do well in cold weather whatsoever. I've like I remember I rented a car once with some friends up in like Indianapolis or something, right, for an event. 
And when we get to the car, you know, we have our bags. So like I pop the trunk and I go put a bag in. I'm just like, there's this device in the trunk. And I just look at it. And my friend's like, what? I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's like an ice pick or whatever. You know, the thing. Snow scraper. Yeah, snow scraper. There we go. I don't know the name of it. But they're like, yeah, you know, like you scrape the stuff off of like your windshield and your windows and stuff. And I'm just like, I've never seen one of these before in my life. <laughs> you know, like, they just don't how, exist. Where how I old were you when this happened? Uh, in my like late 20s, maybe. Like, <laughs> just because like, why would I have ever seen one? I've never lived anywhere where it's like really yeah. snowed before. You know, like they do and like there. It's like in every car that you're in. And here, like we don't have that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we, we've been having a similar weather thing too. Like it's been cold and hot and cold and hot. Like it'll get up to like upper 80s and sunny and like pretty hot. You know, I'm like sweating during the day when I'm outside. Like I got a little bit of like color the other day, which is nice. And then like today, like you can see me, I'm wearing like a sweater type thing. Like I'm wearing like an over, you know, thing. So uh, some, some, some consistent weather would be nice. One yeah. way or the other, like just choose a fucking lane, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But all right, since I know you're going to have some hot takes and some rants on this, how about we... uh dive into what's been shown off the most this week uh it's been talked about a lot of magic twitter it's talked about a lot just in magic in general lots of articles and stuff coming out but we got to see our first look at the lord of the rings set tales of middle earth that's going to be coming out now you had to confirm this for me this set is not standard legal it's not pioneer legal but it is modern legal modern historic and alchemy this is my understanding so it's going to be legal in everything right? on Arena. Yeah, and then anything older, right? But like, at, in, yeah, and in paper, it'll just be modern and older. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's... Uh, I'm not sure exactly why they decided to make it historic, but not Pioneer legal. That's the yeah. weird one to me, because are those, those two formats are supposed to be somewhat aligned, and it mm-hmm. seems like they're kind of separating them at this point. Which to mm-hmm. me is an even bigger sign that Pioneer is never really coming to Arena. I, do you remember me? Like I think it was like two years ago on the show. Yeah. When like they talked about Pioneer Masters, remember we were supposed to get Pioneer Masters? They were talking about that for Arena, and I literally said, "I was like, I will believe this when I see it," because I was like, "This is not happening. Like this is this is this is the Netflix show. Like this is just not happening. Like you're saying it's happening. You're gonna roll out some big stuff. People are getting excited about it, and then a year or two from now, you're just never gonna hear about it again." Like, whatever happened to the Netflix show? Where's Brendan Ralph is, is Gideon? Like, where where is that? that I, I think to... that got shelved. Yeah, that definitely got shelved. 100%. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, hey, but, you know, Watsy, if you ever want to make a Netflix show, you want some cheaper voice actors, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot cheaper than Brendan Ralph. I'll tell you that. I never played <laughs> Super... I never played Superman, so, like, I'm sure my daily quote is going to be less. You know, I... I'm not free, as they as they very yeah. much found out. I'm not free. <laughs> you know? I will require a dish of brown peanut M and M's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that later in the show. But they definitely found out that I have a quote. But anyway, um, the, taking a look at some of these cards, I'm I'm, I'm pretty interested in the set. It looks really cool from a flavor wise. It looks like a home run from flavor wise so far. Um, and as I was corrected numerous times, reminded numerous times uh, yesterday on Twitter. This is more based off the books than it is the movies. Probably something to do with rights and, you know, what it costs or whatever, who they went through, like, blah, blah, blah. I think it's also about playing to their audience, right? Like, this is going to be a set for Lord of the Rings nerds Mm -hmm. to try Mm -hmm. to get them into magic. Uh And the the real the people that are really into it are going to appreciate it be yeah. based off of the books more than the films oh that that's definitely a really good point and uh i became a miniature main character on twitter yesterday for magic and lord of the ring nerds all at the same time 
I say that with like the utmost respect and love. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense because I'm also a freaking nerd. You know what I mean? Like I'm like I am a giant nerd. <laughs> like it's it that's not deniable, right? Yeah. Even though like people quote tweeted me a lot. I'll talk about the tweet in a second. People quote tweeted me a lot of like you know read a book or uh th- th- this guy's a fake nerd or something. You know like just like all this like going after my bona fides, my credentials, and I'm like I was a professional magic player. Like I don't know you get more nerdy than that right like yeah i'm, I'm at a i'm at a, an echelon that's like a, that's like aspired to <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like when it comes to certain things like obviously like, people fear you know, me yeah <laughs> exactly right <laughs> yeah but you know what i'm saying here like i don't need to like uh you know i feel like i don't need to defend myself but it was just so funny because like my twitter's been unusable for the last 24 hours because you know every 10 minutes i get three notifications of someone liking the tweets or whatever and then there's always the response of it's based off the books, not the movie. You know, the well actually moment. Yeah. And I'm like, for the 40th time. The, yeah. Did you read the other 47 comments that have said the exact same thing, in some of which that I've responded to? Like, I'm aware. Oh, like what I said. That's, like, that's one of my, uh, one of my pet peeves about how people use Twitter that like nobody ever bothers to read the replies. They just yeah, sa- sound off as, as if their voice is always going to be unique and important. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're in a society where that kind of sense, but like, so let, let's. Let's get some context clues if people here aren't Twitter, don't, you know, Twitter savvy, don't know what I'm talking about. There's a card of the set called You Cannot Pass with an exclamation point. By the way, here we go. Quick trivia, quick trivia question for you. This has an exclamation point in the, in the title. What was the first magic card ever to have an exclamation point in it? Oh, God, it was in, um, it was in Judgment. I think it was around that time. I can't remember if it was exactly in Judgment. It was around um, that time because I remember it was the only one that had ever had an exclamation yeah, point. Yeah, I remember when this happened, but I can't remember the card's name. Kaboom. Oh, that's Onslaught. Yeah, I was going to say, it was around that time. I didn't want to give you the set and give it away. I was like, I knew it was the Onslaught block. I didn't remember if yeah. it was Onslaught exactly. But the card Kaboom, if I remember right, was the first card to ever have an exclamation point in it in Magic. I think Ross is going to fact check me real quick. But Oh, yeah. Anyway, this card is called You Cannot Pass. It's one white. It's an instant. Uh, the card's not very good, honestly. Some of the commenters is destroy target creature that blocked or was blocked by a legendary creature this turn. And obviously the picture is Gandalf on the bridge of Khazad-dûm, like, casting the Balrog into the abyss or whatever, right? And I tweeted this, you know, saying that, like, I want to call it by its real name, you shall not pass, you know, kind of thing. And then, of course, I was berated <laughs> into the fact that he says, you cannot pass in the book, and in the movie, he even says you cannot pass, but then screams you shall not pass, and it was just like a, a thing that happened. Like, it's like, he did that, or so- someone told him to do that, or tried out, and, like, that's just what made it into the movie. For me, it's a very iconic movie, uh, iconic moment in the movie. It's, like, one of the most iconic scenes. You know, yeah. Gandalf giving himself up to save the party, and, like, telling them to keep running and stuff, and, like, you know, he fights off this thing that he knows he's going to lose to, right? And, like, he's, like, you know, giving himself up is just an iconic point in the movie. If you haven't read the books, you're like, oh, my God, Gandalf dies? You know, it's like, it's like the Obi-Wan moment in Star Wars. Like, if you don't know it's coming, you're like, wait. The, the mentor, the leader of the of all of them just dies this early. Like, you know, you're very shocked by it. And it's like one of the most iconic moments, right? And so for me, I was just like, come on, it's it shall not. Like, let, let's be real. And uh, I was, you know, very much, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for here? Chastised? Is, is chastised a good one? A- admonished? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was very much uh, looked down upon <laughs> for this on Twitter yesterday, which honestly... I don't know, you know, you and I had a little chat about it before the show. It's, it's been a good source of uh, laughter for me and some of my friends about the whole thing. So 
it's it's been kind of great to deal with this but uh i i plan on drafting this set if i can like this looks cool it looks fun this card however depending unless there's just like legendary creatures everywhere which it looks like there will be this card doesn't seem that great but it might actually be good in this format like yeah. it's in, exactly in this format this card was was clearly previewed because of how flavorful it is mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the art rather than it being, a, you yeah. know, an important card in the set uh, in terms of how powerful it is. It does, however, make me really want to see a card called And My Axe that like yeah. pumps and equips a dwarf creature. Oh, yes. It's like there'd be And My Axe and My Bow order, but And My Axe yeah. is like, that's a very, like... Yeah. Maybe yeah. you, like, create a 1-1 dwarf token, yeah. and then, like, if you control an equipment, you can attach it to that equipment. You can attach that's, the equipment to it. Yeah, that's a literal perfect thing. Like, there's so many, like, iconic lines that I want to see made into cards. Like, I really want to see, uh, like, a, an animated version of Boromir with this handout, kind of like the Italian, you know, the Italian look. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? He's like, it is a gift. Like, I, <laughs> I really want to see that card. And it's like... And it's like, uh, you know, it, it could be something like collected company, something, I don't know. You know, there's like some kind of randomness or something cool. I don't know what it would be, but like, I would love, there's so many like iconic lines, but if we're doing more of the book, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what he says. I don't remember. I, like, here, I'll tell you this. I'm gonna make some people angry. Uh, like, okay. Obviously Tolkien, amazing writer, like, you know, pioneer the genre, very dry. If you read these books, he's extremely, especially Lord of the Rings. Like I actually love the Hobbit. Like, love The Hobbit. I've read The Hobbit, like, six times. Book's amazing. Loved it as a child. Movies, not so much. Lord of the Rings, books, very dry, very hard to get through at times. Movies, great. Absolutely adore them. Watch the four-and-a-half-hour versions at any point. You're like, you want to watch this? I'm like, damn straight, I do. Let's make some food. You know, let me go pee real quick so I don't have to get up too many times. I haven't watched them in a while. I actually rewatched them recently because, you know, it's they're a good Christmas movie, honestly. Yeah, one of like, my favorite uh, things I saw on Twitter about the set so far is that uh, our favorite comments is that the, the most flavorful aspect is the fact that all the cards have a million words of text on them, just as Tolkien would have wanted. Yep, <laughs> that's that's like someone someone asked me about this yesterday. They're like they hadn't read you know Tolkien, and they were like, uh, is it really? They're like, oh, I just assume that he's a lot like because they they had read they had tried to read Game of Thrones and couldn't get through it. Yeah. It's just too dense. It's too much. And I was like, oh, you'll never get through Tolkien. And they were like, what? I just assumed it was the same. And I'm like, he describes every blade of grass along the side of the road as they make their journey. Like, this this is what he... He likes to describe rocks. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, this is a guy... I want you to understand how, like... Like, Lord of the Rings wasn't the first idea. He, like, made... He, he was a linguist. And he, like, made the language Elvish. And then he's like, I need to put this in something so it matters. So he's like, oh, I'll make Lord of the Rings. And then here, here's Elvish. You know, that that's the kind of guy he is. You know? Just yeah. so... You know, just, just so there's some understanding or whatever. But... Uh, reminds yeah. reminds me because I, I've never read Tolkien, but it reminds me of um. You don't read the of, Hobbit at least? No, of um, wow. Reminds me of Walden, Henry David Thoreau, uh-huh. where he like lives out by the pond for oh, uh, like six months it's, or something. I don't know if I've read that since I was like a he, literal teenager. He so. describes you know the the beans that he grew to like pay for it, you know, while he was there and like how much money he spent on the supplies and then how much money he eventually sold them for and how he watched his beans grow. It so was... he takes a ledger and somehow puts it in novel form. Yeah. Well, and Walden's only like awful. 150 pages. It's not that long overall, but it was so dense. I could not get through yeah. it. That God. sounds awful. Yeah. Throw sounds sounded like, insufferable. Yeah. It sounds like eating, it sounds like eating protein powder put into like candy bar form. <laughs> like it's that dense, like it just you cannot get through it, kind of thing. So, um, oh, like 
I wanted to ask. So, have you seen the Lord of the Rings movies? Like, what's what's like your? I, I kind of want to know this, and maybe this is this will be fun for people at home. Like, what's your exposure to like Lord? I, like, what's like your your? I have seen the the three Lord of the Rings films that trilogy okay. uh, uh, several times. Um, I think I own them on DVD still. <laughs> yeah, I have the extended version somewhere. Like, and yeah, they're, uh, they're but I, I've, I've never seen any of the Hobbit movies or anything past that. Um, they're not very good. Yeah, I did. I didn't hear they're good beautiful. things. So I didn't, I didn't they're, feel they're the need to go see them. Yeah. Um, so all I've seen is are those three films, and uh, and I've never read any of the books. So like you know, my exposure to it is like uh, I read the Hobbit a lot growing up. I read the Lord of the Rings, uh, obviously. Um, like absolutely adore the movies. I think t- still to this day, they're still some of the most uh like some of the wildest achievement ever made in filmmaking like what they did was like unreal to make those movies uh there's like this crazy story about when peter jackson was trying to get the movies made he like would go to a bunch of different of like you know he'd go to universal or he'd go to you know fox like the big studios whomever and he'd be like i want to make these movies and they would like you love the idea they're like oh yeah this would this would be great can you make it into one he's like what (laughs) He's like, it's a trilogy. And they're like, can you, yeah, can you just make it into one movie? Like, we can't, like, you know, what if what if the first one doesn't do well or, like, isn't received well? Like, blah, blah, blah. And so he says he, get, he he goes down the line, right? He goes to all of them. They all turn him down. They all turn him down. And then a few of them are a little more interested, but they're like, can you make it into two? And he's like, come on, man. Like, it's a trilogy. Like, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. I got to tell the story the right way. And so he gets to the, he gets to one of the last ones that he can go to. At this point, if I remember right, he says something along the lines of, he's like, I'm resigned to my fate. Like, I understand what's going on, and I just want to make this movie, these movies. I want to tell the story. So he's figured out, he's like, I could possibly make this in two. So he's, like, giving the pitch about, like, he's like, if I had to make it as one, I don't want to. I think it would be bad, but, like, we could. And they're like, you know, we could maybe make it work as two. And so the guy's, like, reading through the pitch, listening. I guess to the end, and, you know, the head of the studio or whatever is just like, oh, I love this idea, but I just, you know, there's one, there's one big problem that I can't get over. And the back of his mind, like, great. You know, this guy wants me to make it into one movie. And he goes, this is a trilogy. And Fear Jackson's just like, yes! <laughs> like, we did it, or whatever, you know? And, like, obviously, they just make billions of dollars, or whatever, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, the franchise, or whatever. So, um, you know, absolutely love the stuff. Uh, love the books. I have, like, a second edition copy of Fellowship of the Ring. The book is, like, twice as old as I am. You know, that I, it's, like, you know, one of my favorite books that I own. It's not in the best of conditions, Ross, because it's, you know, extremely old. It's like me. You know, the older I get, the less, the less, <laughs> I, I'm no longer mint, right? I'm like near mint to heavily played now, somewhere in there, depending on the day that yeah, I've had maybe, a shower. Maybe S- I, I'd give you a nice SP. Well, imagine if I had a shower and a shave or not. You know what I mean? Look, look. Yeah. I've actually been like, uh, I've gone through some restoration lately. I've been in the gym a little bit, so I'm looking a little more, you know, like maybe a little closer to, 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 to uh, near mint. Maybe? Maybe? Maybe that's a little ambitious your, of me. Your SP. All right, thanks, Ross. I appreciate it. You know, it's, I've seen Ross in the mornings after a heavy drinking night, and it's HP at best. It's, it's damaged a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the damaged case. <laughs> yeah, sure. Ross is 10 percent off. That's all I'm saying. You're 50 percent off. <laughs> uh, you can so find like, me in the bargain bin. Yeah. So, like that's you know that's my exposure to Lord of the Rings. I was never like a Lord of the Rings, you know, absurd fan. Have, but have you read the Hobbit. Silmarillion? I haven't. I've tried. It's it's too much. It's uh, <laughs> it's too much, man. Because like it's the same thing with a lot of that stuff. Like uh, one of my favorite books of all time is Dune. Have you ever read Dune? I'm I've sure, not. Or, or seen? I'm one not of the a 18... fantasy sci-fi person. Sure. Have you have you seen one of the eighteen different? Um, like it's been made a movie like four different times, and there's a new one that was actually like one of the better. Versions I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah, there's a new one, and the second the second half of it's coming out. 
the, it's a really good adaptation. The book is a masterpiece when it comes to that kind of stuff. However, the sequels are, there's something else. I'm sure there's people out here that like them, but I'm just like, I could not, like, just could not. This is from a guy that read, like, 90-something percent of the expanded universe of Star Wars. Like, when I get into something, I like it, and I just, like, I go. You know, I'm yeah. like, give Like, I'm the kind of guy that watches TV shows, like, three times, and I like them. You know? Like, I'm, I binge on stuff, so. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of, like, our... You know, stuff to it. So you're looking at pretty much like a Lord of the Rings novice, and then someone who's like a little more into into Lord of the Rings than whatever. Yeah. But um, let's let's go ahead and talk about some of these cards. Why don't we? Um, you want to go ahead and start with uh, we'll, we'll save the big one for last. Oh yeah, I think we're gonna do. Let's start out with the basic lands. Have you seen the basic lands with the uh with the Lord of the Rings map on them? I have, and I've got to say, I'm normally not a fan of of full art lands. Sure, I think they're very overrated. These I kind of like. Yeah, there's something about them, right? Yeah. I, I will say the one weird one for me is the mountain because it says white mountains on it. Like, you know, because the, the, the white mountains. And it's just, it's kind of weird, but like whatever. <laughs> and it's got Rohan and Gondor, like two very important parts of the, you know, the, we spent a lot of time there in the movies. So, yeah, no, the, the, I, I think this is a, a really good idea. I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm I'm sort of a map nerd. I just like sure. maps. You, you strike me as someone who like does light cartography. Yeah, like, like I would I would like time. to have some like cool old map like in yeah. a frame hanging on my yeah. wall. That's the kind of person I am. I like globes. As you sit underneath it in your smoking jacket with a pipe. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I I used to a uh, globe next to you. Yeah. I remember once when I uh, in the study shortly <laughs> after I moved here when I first came over to uh, to one of the houses. Um, I uh, Brad and Amber have a, had a globe just like you know around as a piece of furniture, and I immediately like walk over and start looking at it, and they're like, "Why? Why are you like? Why are you looking at it so intently?" And I'm like, "Oh, this globe must have been made during this time period," and I'm just like basing it off of which countries exist and don't exist, and when yeah. those countries came into being. When they, were and they just looked at me like I'm a maniac. Well, you are a maniac, but not for the <laughs> not just for that reason. So yeah, as I said, but okay. So you're a fan of them. I was not. I was not ready for that. For yeah, the, I know. Yeah. I, I we're starting out with a bit of a shocker. Sure, I, I, I like these. Hey, I I, would, I'm looking forward to today. Like you know, we're we're upbeat. I like it. Like I, I would I would play with these basic lands. All right, all right. I probably um, won't just because I like the lands I already have. Sure. And I don't feel the need to collect more of them. But like, sure, I would play with these if these were in like the oh. land box and we were drafting. I'm I doubt these up. lands make it into a, a you know a, a land box. But yeah, they're not going to be super prevalent. Like yeah, because yeah, well actually. I think they will be super prevalent if they're, well, I don't know if non-foil versions will be in the collector packs because the collector packs are going to be opened a lot. And I don't, I don't, you have to look at a freaking giant graph to understand what's in what pack in these sets. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if there's non-foil versions because you know me and you, we don't like foils. So no, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next card. Very iconic character. And I'm pretty positive we're going to be getting multiple versions of characters in this. So this one is Gandalf the Grey. So we I've, might get I've Gandalf heard we're the White. Three Gandalfs. Yeah, we're going to get Gandalf, Gandalf the Grey, and Gandalf the White. I'm assuming, or yeah. Gandalf something, you know, or whatever. But this one is an Izzet card. It's a legendary creature, Avatar Wizard. It's three blue and red for a three-four. It says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Uh, you may untap target permanent. Gandalf the Grey deals three damage to each opponent. Copy target instant sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets, or put Gandalf on top of your owner's library. So here's the question I have: So you only get to do all of these once, right? It doesn't say this turn. Yeah. When it says choose one, so uh, putting it on top of your library if you're playing a long drawn out game is actually an ability that you can use to reset Gandalf. 
because you could draw them again yeah. and then play them again. Because and, and be protect it from removal and no. protect it from removal. Yeah, that's that's another thing. But this is a way to reset the card. For me, like I understand this will be like fun and cool and thematic in Commander because I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this as a Luther Commander because I don't think a five mana three four that doesn't do anything is gonna get oh, played in any is format. Unplayable in any reasonable yeah. constructed format. Yeah. But in Commander, this is something that you could have in like your is it spells deck when you want to have some really cool stuff in it. You're like, I love Lord of the Rings. I want Gandalf. This is something that you can definitely do. Also, uh, probably a good card for dealing commander damage with the three to each opponent. Um, so that that could be relevant. But it's uh, yeah, I, I honestly was kind of underwhelmed by this one. It just doesn't seem that powerful for a card as iconic as Gandalf. But given that this is probably the the weakest of the Gandalf cards. Um, you know, maybe they're just setting us up for something sure. much more busted. Yeah, Gandalf the White might be like absolutely busted off the look. Uh, I'm gonna skip over some of these and come back to them. Next, we have Sam, Loyal Attendant. Uh, this is one in green and a white for a legendary creature, Halfling Peasant. Um, it partners with Frodo Adventurous Hobbit, so specifically that one, which means when this creature enters the battlefield, target player may put Frodo into their hand from their library, then shuffle. Uh, this is the beginning of combat in your turn, create a food token, and then activated abilities of foods you control cost one less to activate. Very thematic card here. It's also a 2-4. Very, very thematic card here, which is really cool. All I'm saying is, every single time you have Sam in play, and you activate a food, you have to say some form of potato. <laughs> and boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, they... Just, or what are taters precious as like you crack your you know like I was, uh, is... well we just need it we need we also need a food token from the set that has potatoes on it oh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be literally the pot like with potatoes yeah. or whatever yeah that, that'd be pretty sweet also if we don't get an equipment in the set of the frying pan <laughs> I'm going to riot like actually riot like you need the frying pan and it better be freaking good because Sam uses that thing really really well as a weapon Um, this card is just like whatever to me, like I don't think it makes it into any kind of modern food deck, you know, like the the green food decks that we've seen. It certainly doesn't, since it's part of the commander side set. Oh, this is a commander side set card. Oh, awesome, yep. cool. I didn't know that. Oh well. Yeah. Oh, it does say partner with Frodo. I should know that. Yeah. Whoops. Anyway. <clears throat> but I remember I was reading this card and I was like, "Ooh, this is cool." There's like inherent card advantage with this other Frodo card. I can do <clears throat> foods like cool food stuff. And then I was like, "Oh no, it's a commander card." All right, that happens. Sort of the commander stuff. Yeah, that happens frequently to me at this point. Sure, still pisses me off. I just don't. Why can't they like separate the preview seasons of these things? Just like too much. They make don't have it time, easy, Ross. They don't have enough time. There's only yeah. there's only so many days to preview all the 87 things that are coming. Uh, there's another creature that we've been previewed from that set. It's Radagast, the Wizard of the Wilds, two green and blue for a three five Avatar Wizard. It's a legendary creature. It's got Ward One, Beast and Bird. You control have Ward One. It says, whenever you cast a spell with mana value 5 or greater, choose one. Create a 3-3 green beast or a 2-2 blue bird creature token with fly. Um, this card can do some stuff in Commander. Like, for sure. If you have a bird or beast themed deck, we've seen that a lot in Commander. People like their themes, and birds is something that has steadily been getting stuff over the years. This is pretty cool. And it's also in blue-green, so you can have all the, like, creature coming to play matters stuff. Like, this might be yeah. one of the things where, like, you have a slow buildup, but there's going to be that turn where, hey, I started with, like, three creatures. Now I have, like, 40 and draw dead. The issue is that you have to cast such an expensive spell, so you can't really, you know, double up a lot with this and, and sure. uh, you know, mm -hmm. make a bunch of tokens at once. Unless you're playing with, like, you know, 
ways to cheat, like marches and mm-hmm. and um, and uh, delve cards and things like that. So it's an interesting deck building puzzle because of that restriction. Yeah, hundred percent agree there. Um, <clears throat> cool things that are also coming out of Commander that we're seeing. Three cards have been renamed and given the new tr- uh, treatment. The Great Hinge is getting reprinted as the Party Tree. The art, the art on these are absolutely amazing, by the way. Uh, secondly, we're getting in Staring Bridge as the Bridge of Kazadun, which is awesome, by the way. Like if I if I play in Staring Bridge, you have to. I'm getting these non-foil. Like you're getting Bridge of Kazadun. And then the last one that we have right now is Valley of Gorgoroth, and that one is Wasteland. So this is actually pretty cool too. We get a like Legacy Staple playable card in the in this set with the art and it man it shows like sam and frodo walking to mount doom it the art in the set by the way very good <laughs> so far I'm, I'm a big fan also um we'll get to the other thing that, that's previewed here later because it kind of ties in with yeah we'll something that last that we're gonna talk uh let's talk about some of these cards we well, talked about you on. cannot pass I'm, i i have a bit of a rant Oh, okay. So this is the first one? Okay, sure. I'm conflicted on on these kinds of cards, and just them doing this in general, because I like cards being reprinted. I like there being more in circulation, but I also just hate cards that don't have the actual name of the card. Like, I'm going to have to now remember, like, the party tree is, this is the Great Hedge. They're the same thing. It, It makes, in particular, I think it makes coverage significantly worse. And obviously, like, people are going to want to play with these. And especially in Snaring Bridge and Wasteland that see a ton of play. Great Henge, more of a commander card at this point since it's rotated out of standard. But um, it's just very annoying to have cards that, like, are... And these are at least a little bit more iconic, so I think it'll be easier. Mm-hmm. But we went through this with, like, the 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 Godzilla cards and all this other yeah. nonsense. So I got I to gotta double up on something you're saying. It does make coverage harder for someone who does coverage in yeah. games where cards have different art of the same card uh the the lands in modern have become very difficult like oh i, I actually watched some of your i watched some of your coverage of todd the other day yeah it was funny like i, I felt pretty good because i was getting some of the ones like we all were like oh that's a windsome beef and i'm like that's a breeding pool or something you know like just something you know but it's just like depending on which secret layer it's from you have you've never seen it in person before yeah and stuff and you've never seen this and and these can lead to that uh, it's a little easier when it's like the first one of its kind. Like you know, wasteland doesn't really have like there's there's there are different wastelands, but they yeah. aren't heavily used. And if this one gets used, you're like, oh, that that's waste because like it'll do yeah. its I thing d- right away. I but do I think these will be agree easier in that regard. Yeah. But it's yeah. just part of a trend that I'm, I don't yeah. like. No, 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 uh, completely agree. It's really funny. I used to do a lot of casting with Joe. Uh, you know, <laughs> Joe oh, yeah. and uh, one of the funniest things about it is every now and then a card would hit the screen and like. You know, I'm usually play by play, so it's my job to do this. And I would know what the card is, but I know that Joe is like 50 50 at best to know it. So I would just be like, hey, Joe, what's that card? Like, I would just get it. Like, I would just <laughs> love to do it to see if he knows. Let's play you a know, game. It's like, well, what was the game you also play versus live? Is this card legal in, yeah. like, what, what setting? It was, is this card, is this card in? legal in, uh, in Pioneer historic. for a while? Or, or historic or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember y'all used to do some set like that. I'm like, I, I would lose this game so often. Yeah. When they started doing all the jump starts and things and like adding oh, new yeah. cards, you're yeah. on dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, def- we definitely played Is This Card Historically Goal? <clears throat> so uh, the first card that we're going to talk about after this is a card that, for me, is, I think, the standout card from here so far and hasn't been getting a lot of press and I think is really, really cool. That's Reprieve. It's one in a white instant. Uh, return target spell to its owner's hand. Draw a card. Uh, 
Ross, I like this card a lot. Yeah, so obviously the comparison is Remand. This card actually slightly better than Remand yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't depend spell, on countering right? the spell. Yeah, you can hit Supreme Verdict for this card. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, you know, slightly better than Remand, but more importantly, you know, color-shifted version in a color that normally doesn't have access to stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that makes a difference. Like, you know, you look at Remand in a modern context, it is not a very good card in 2023. It has seen a little play over the years um, and, you know, uh, used to be a lot, a lot better. But as the format gets more powerful, as curves get lower, a card like Remand, which really depends on countering more expensive spells to generate a huge tempo advantage, um, you know, gets significantly worse. But adding it into a color that normally doesn't have access to that kind of effect, especially, like you said, a, you know, an aggressive color that can use the tempo really well against things like Supreme Verdict or you know, other, uh, you know, sweepers, it makes it a lot more interesting. I'm still kind of skeptical because I don't really see a home for it in modern. I really wish this card was in pioneer. I think like mono white humans would love love to have access to this. Yeah. Like remember when spirits was really good in modern, it was like one of the better decks, like when you beat KCI and stuff. And like you would run into decks that had Supreme verdict. You'd have to play around a little bit. You had spell caller at least a little bit to kind of get them. And this is like another card that could have maybe like made its way into there. But we've seen some can't be countered cards, you know, being a thing in modern before. Like when Abrupt Decay was a bigger card as well and stuff like that. Like this this card could have maybe had a little bit more impact. But I just like this card yeah. overall. I, I so. do hope this card gets added to various cubes. Yes. It's a really cool yes. cube card. I really want to snapcast for this card very badly. Like, <laughs> that's everything I want to do in my life. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next one we got uh, Golem. What is that? Patient Plotter. Sorry, I have the stuff on. Like, I have multiple screens up right now. So, uh, this one's one in a black for a 3 1 legendary creature, Halfling Horror. Mingle Horror is kind of important. That, that's a thing that can come up. Yeah. Uh, when get it bounced comes... by Thing in the Ice. Yep. <laughs> Golem would definitely get away with Thing in the Ice for sure. <laughs> He'd just be like, yo, what's up? All right. But it leaves the battlefield. The ring tempts you. We don't know what that means yet, right? Yeah, that's we our big gotten... piece of speculation right now is sure. what exactly does it mean for the ring to tempt you? Yeah. If you've been tempted so many times, you lose the game, et cetera, like whatever. But. But it leaves the battlefield, the ring tempts you, and then you can pay one, sacrifice a creature, so it can sacrifice itself. And it says, return golem from your... Oh, you can't sacrifice yourself because of what this. Okay, sorry. It says, return golem from your graveyard to your hand, activate only as a sorcery. So, uh, this is something that, depending on the builds of the deck and what the ring tempting you does, if there's like a red-black sack deck, like this could be an outlet at some point that's okay. Because you can kind of cycle through this card quite a bit. I do think you can sacrifice it to itself, and then it just goes back to your hand because it doesn't target. Sure. Um, that was I wasn't sure exactly how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, because it doesn't. I was supposed to say, do you need the do you need Gollum in the graveyard when you activate this ability? No, you I'm shouldn't not a judge. because I don't it, think so. it doesn't target. So yeah, I, I think you should be fine. That's, I was that's, on that. Yeah. I assume why it says activate only as a sorcery because then you could just like you know infinite keep loop it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you can cycle it if you you know for whatever reason want the ring to tempt you or just want to keep sacrificing creatures. Um, you know, as long as you have the mana, that can get interesting. I also, I like, I've played a lot of sacrifice decks over the last few years. I like it when my sacrifice deck has a pretty good aggressive game plan. Yeah, just and a 3-1 so, for two mana. Yeah, yeah like, that, you know, being able to put the pressure on the opponent so they can't just sit back and choose at their leisure how to use their removal to break up your sacrifice synergies can be really beneficial. So that card does that for you. Um, probably not good enough for modern. This is like another card I would have much rather seen in Pioneer. 
and instead it's just not going to, you know, make it in that format. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we'll see them in historic uh, or whatever, but it just doesn't seem quite efficient enough for a modern context. Um, but it is also notably a legendary creature and a pretty cheap one. We, you know, we keep getting more closer and closer to maybe seeing Mox Amber in just different fair decks. Um, maybe that's something that you want to do, but, um, you know, I, I don't quite see it in modern. Mm-hmm. No, uh, for sure. It's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. This is one that I think if it showed up, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't bat an eye at it as like being a one of somewhere or whatever, yeah. but I, I also, I definitely think that the, you know, the ring tempting you too much is going to kill you. But like when you think about the flavor of the, of the one ring, you know, Gollum, you know, f- sort of withers away, right? over mm-hmm. his temptation of the ring and a lot of other people do too. So you're probably just going to like lose life. I would guess maybe it just like deals you a damage every turn or on your end step for every time it's tempted you. Um, sure. Something like that. Uh, you know, so it does eventually kill you, but yeah, well that, that'll be a big reveal when they finally decide to let us know what the cards actually do. That's another really annoying thing that I don't like that they do. They did that. Yeah. I remember this happening during throne of Eldraine previous season with, with food. food. Where we like yeah, saw Oko, like, yeah, and we're like, I "What is food, food like token?" The first time we got the kind of like, "All right, here's a card. We'll tell you what this card does, but we won't tell you what the stuff does." Yeah, you know, like just just let me know what the fucking card does. Like, yeah, it's just annoying. No, I, I can definitely agree with that. All right, next we have Mount Doom. It's a legendary land. It taps to pay one life to add red or black. You can also pay one red and a black to tap it to deal one damage to each opponent, or you can pay five red to black, sacrifice Mount Doom and a legendary artifact. Choose between two creatures, then destroy the rest. Activate only as a sorcery. Um, this is a mythic in this set as well. This is going to be like a pretty big miss for me if I were to open it in packs as a mythic, because like I don't necessarily see this being very good, except for like I can see this being very good in commander when you're like kill you know these twelve creatures or these fifteen creatures other than my two or whatever. That's something that's pretty cool, and you can ramp a bot you're not being interacted with. I don't see this making it into like constructed anywhere unless. Exactly, black, red. Uh, what's it called? Death Shadow wants like one copy of this card. Or something. Yeah, the the problem here is that in constructed formats, that last ability, which is far and away the most powerful, is just not really going to come up. It's never like, going to happen. You yet. need to put legendary artifacts in your deck to even make it come up. And then you know what deck exactly is that? It's you know a, a, what, if you eliminated that text, I would say it's likely a downgrade on Sulfur Springs. I'd rather yep. have the ability to tap for colorless and not lose life. That have that you know pretty expensive pinging ability that you know the old Keldon megaliths. Ooh, a little blast from the past oh, there. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody, take a second to Google what Keldon megaliths does. That that was a card that saw widespread standard play back in its day. Mm. But yeah, I I don't see any deck that really like is so desperate to want to pay four mana to ping their opponent that it's willing to put this pain land in their deck when mm. you know mana bases in these formats are already so good. Sure. Speaking of legendary lands, we have a green one called the Shire, and it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a legendary creature. It taps for green, and then you pay one of the green and tap an untapped creature you control to create a food token. Now, this is one if like the food deck ever, you know, the asthma blah 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 blah, blah decks or ever ever come up again that I can see someone playing a copy of in their deck if they can activate it. Uh, other than that, yeah, it's just what it is. Yeah, uh, that's exactly where I am with it. I, even in that context, though, I'm just I'm so skeptical of lands that don't enter the battlefield untapped on turn one. Same. Especially in a you know these food decks are usually decks that are trying to get onto the battlefield early. They play a very low curve, 
it's nice to have a bit of a mana sink to you know jumpstart the engine but if you're not going to come out quickly then you know that's that then it doesn't matter because coming out quickly is step one and you know yeah there, there will be times when you get to like play your asmo and then you play the shire and everything works but oftentimes that's going to require passing the turn with your asmo in play and if you untap with the asmo you're in really good shape you probably don't need you know that whatever the shire is going to bring you at that point so uh, i'm kind of low on it i'm sure people will try it in that context but uh, i'm even skeptical there it's probably good in some kind of commander token deck somewhere too uh, yeah i'm sure it's fine in commander yeah Next one, we get another version of Sam. We get Samwise the Stout-Hearted. It's one in a white for a 2-1 legendary creature, Halfling Peasant. It's got Flash. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return it to your hand. The ring tempts you. Uh, this one can do some stuff. This is pretty cool in some instances where you can get back like your best stuff after like you know some kind of Wrath Effect or if you have some kind of Sacrifice Synergy or something like that. This can do some things. Yeah, and it and it is notably any permanent. So in a format like modern, you could always just get back a fetch land and generate like a little bit two, of value yeah. that way. Yeah, um, yeah. This is one of my favorite cards previewed thus far. Same. It's you know relatively efficient, generates a little bit of, of advantage. We're not sure how much you know. Obviously, what the downside of the ring tempting you is, but uh, I can definitely see Samwise doing some cool things. Yeah, even like being white too. Like you think about it, like playing it in. It's not a human, but if you play it in like some of the human type decks or like in uh the white weenie decks in legacy like you can get back wasteland you know you can get back some of your Oof. other stuff like that if like someone if, if you trade oh, off baby. one of your yeah, if you trade off like a stoneforge mystic or something ross getting fanned down here a little bit he's getting heated <laughs> up a little bit but yeah you can get back your wasteland that is the valley of uh gorgoroth or whatever too so like you can be like fully automatic yeah. with that yeah so that's cool that's definitely a a cool one for um you know, like death and taxes in in mm-hmm. legacy, I could definitely yeah. see it there. Yeah. Uh, next one speaking of the white creatures, we have Frodo Sauron's Bane. For one white, you get a legendary creature, Halfling Citizen. It's a one-two. Now it has an activated ability. It has two of them. The first one is either white, white, or black, black. You can you know the, the hybrid mana, white, black, or white, white, black. black. Yeah, two wars yeah. of mana. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, if Frodo is a citizen, it becomes a Halfling Scout with base, pow- base power toughest two three in lifelink. And then another one's black, black, black. If it's a scout, then it becomes a halfling rogue with whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game if the ring has tempted you four or more times this game. Otherwise, the ring tempts you. So, uh, this is a pretty cool card. This is, like, very much Figure of Destiny-esque, you know, that kind of mold that we've had. But this one is a win condition on top of that as well. And this, Other than the fact that, hey, it's a 2-3 of lifelink into a... What does it become? A, it stays a 2-3, I think. It stays yeah. a 2-3, you know. So... Dies to bolt in every form, which is kind of rough you know, in modern and these other formats, but it is a win condition, which is pretty cool. And uh, notably, you can activate that second ability multiple, multiple times. times. So, yeah, so you, you have a lot of black mana. You know, yeah. tempt them a ton. So you could win the game on the spot in like Commander if like this is a, a yeah you know a combo thing that you have. Yeah, yeah. If you can connect with it with a two three. Yeah, just um, the, just the Cabal coffers make you know fifteen mana or whatever real quick. Yeah, it's starting as a 1-2, I think, is generally pretty important. The 2-3 lifelink is, is reasonable stats. Pro- again, probably a little, you know, too slow for modern. I would have been much more interested seeing it in Pioneer. That's kind of my main quibble with the set, the way it's been developed, where the power of the cards seem much more appropriate for a format like Pioneer than they do modern. A lot and, of it looks standardish to me, too. Yeah, and that's just kind of unfortunate for a set that is so fl- flavorful with cards people are going to want to play with. 
They're just not really going to be able to effectively play with them outside of Commander, which makes me feel like it's just a Commander set, and that annoys me because it's a Commander set that's not actually a Commander set, so I'm forced to pay attention to it. Uh, I can keep going on like this, but th this card, this is, the, this is the kind of card I, I like, so I hope it's good in some context. Um, and uh, because, you know, I like efficient creatures that give you cool mana sinks and uh, you know, once again, we're going to have to see exactly what the, the ring tempting uh, is, how valuable that is. Because, mm. uh, you know, paying the extra three mana just to, you know, maybe have them dead in four turns or whatever doesn't seem lot. great. So yeah. you're really going to need, you, I'm I'm going to want to get some really good immediate value out of that first tempting to want to sink the mana into this and to want to play the card with the idea of sinking that much mana into it. So... This of the, of all the cards I've seen that have that text on it, this is the one that I think is is most dependent on it in terms of evaluating its power level. Sure, uh, a card that I think is going to make some people happy who are fans of the books and maybe a little upset that this character was left out of the movies. Yeah, I have there no is... idea who this character is. Uh, yeah, he's he's in the Fellowship of the Ring. It's Tom Bombadil. Uh, he costs domain, so white, blue, black, green, red. Uh, he's a legendary creature, God Bard. He's a four four. All right. This card does a lot of things, so we're going <laughs> to right, go through the text slowly, okay? As long as there are three or four or more, right? As long as there are four or more lore counters among sagas you control, this has hexproof and indestructible. Okay, so if you have a bunch of like stuff out, he's hexproof and indestructible, okay? Whenever the final chapter ability of a saga you control resolves, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a saga card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. This ability triggers only once each turn. This is a commander card saga deck thing. Oh, this yeah. won't ever like make constructive ever. This is really wordy. This is a lot of stuff. It's very expensive to make happen. But uh, if you're into this kind of thing, here you go. I assume Tom Bombadil as a character told a lot of stories. If I remember right, yes. It's been a long time yeah. since I well, read. The creature type is Bard. And the entire card, it just keeps telling stories because sagas keep recycling. Yeah. And once one yeah. finishes, you move on to the next story. It's, so he's it's just been telling one continuous loop of a story. Sure. I'm so, sure people listening are just like, no, for a fact. But Yeah. But this is a very good, you know, marriage of, of flavor and function. Because as much as it's not really, you know, a constructed playable card, this is a card that is really cool to build a commander deck around and like creates sort of fun gameplay where you're just never know what the next saga you're going to get is you're generating card advantage you're probably playing other sort of enchanter enchantress style synergies so mm -hmm. maybe each time the saga comes you know replaces itself you're drunk card off of uh you know eidolon of blossoms or similar effects are growthy and enchantress things like that um and, and you get to do a lot of a lot of cool stuff um so and it just creates a lot of um variance in the play patterns and so it creates a lot of replayability which I'm sure is very important for Commander but uh, as much as I dislike the format this is a card that seems very well designed for it how did you describe it again a marriage of flavor and function or yeah. something like that is what you said I, I like when you said that I immediately like pictured you in like a chef's outfit thing <laughs> in like one of those TV shows where you're like grading food and someone brings you their, their plate and you're like this yeah. was the perfect marriage of flavor and function no notes. It's great. It's perfect. So you just My like, palate is alive with flavor. <laughs> yeah. 
And then the next verse comes up and you start yelling and throw the risotto <laughs> across the room or whatever. This risotto is shit. <laughs> you know, call right. this a vicious was? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I can just see you being that way. All right. Next, we have another super iconic character. This is Thoron, the Lidless Eye. I love the name. Uh, three black red for a 4-4 legendary creature, Avatar Horror. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, gain control, target creature and opponent controls to another turn, and tap it against haste so it threatens. And then uh, one black red creature she control get plus two plus oh, it's a lot of turn. Each opponent loses two life. This is a very meh card to me for a Sauron, and it's a mythic, so like I'm wondering if we're getting another version that maybe does some crazy stuff. I thought maybe he'd be a planeswalker at some point, since he's like kind of a god. Like, I don't know how to explain, like, he's like this oh, benevolent, like, giant being. Yeah. Thing. Like, really underpowered for a card like Sauron. This card is very disappointing. Sure. I'd also just kind of, as much as we talk about Mythics not, us not wanting Mythics to just be the powerful cards, mm-hmm. this is not a card that jumps off the page as a Mythic. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if you, like, sacrifice the creature at the end step instead of giving it back to them. That's what I was thinking was going to happen, for sure. Then, and, and you know, even then, like, how good would that card be in months? Or you keep it. Five mana like, Or you keep it, because he, like, he, like controls you know, them yeah. corrupts someone yeah yeah like, I, I it it's the this one's definitely a, a pretty big miss for me mm-hmm. um you know why can't like it have haste then you'd then it would be like a pretty cool curve topper because yeah. you're just adding so much additional power to that attack um i yeah i don't really i don't get it yeah same uh next we have oregon arwen wed it's four green and white for a three six legendary creature human elf noble got vigilance and then when it enters the battlefield or attacks you put a plus and plus one counter on each other creature you control you gain one life for each creature each other creature you control i can see this one being probably really good and big and huge in commander and i also I, think this card's going to be busted in limited oh yeah like this, like, this card this, will end this is every the game. number one card on my list of like god damn it i can't believe they cast that one again it's like yeah. a, i'm like 99 to win i'm like yeah there's no way i can lose they're almost dead they're just like okay I'll play this. I'll buff my two creatures. I'll gain a couple life. Now I can make good blocks. It's a 3-6 vid, so next turn I'll play like two other creatures attack, buff my creatures again, gain five more life, and you're just dead. Yep. Yep. The like, fact that like, it keeps triggering is yeah. like, you're just like, I'm, I'm actually triggered now. This is this is too much. You know? <laughs> um, now, you know, I mentioned collector packs earlier, so there's going to be some cool stuff in the collector's packs. Serialized cards are going to make a comeback in the set, and it looks like something we're going to have just for the future. And I remember when I first saw this stuff, I was like, this makes sense to me to have this in Magic. Uh, I really like it as uh, winner's prizes for stuff. You know, like we've seen the unique stuff. I think it's really cool. It's something Flesh and Blood did really, really well. I think it's really awesome. So for this one, uh, the first we're going to talk about is uh, Soul Ring is getting a reprinting in, in this. There's going to be three different versions of it. Uh, they're serialized through 300 of one of them, 700 of the other one, and 900 of the other one. If I remember right, it's like three rings to the elves, seven rings to the dwarves, nine rings to men who above all create, you know, crave power or whatever. Yeah. And so you got, you got the 300, the 700, the 900 for the uh, people. One of my friends like, they should have just made three, seven, and nine, but I think they wanted like more stuff for people to get and less unique stuff, which we'll yeah. get into in just a and moment. It- and there are going to be unserialized versions of these cards instead of, you know, sure. X hundred of them. There's X thousand of the yeah, non-foils. Sure. Yeah, so, and, and the art's really cool in all of them. Um, it's yet an, yet another way for you to to personalize which soul ring you use. Plus, I mean, the serialized soul rings is kind of a flex. It, it's a pretty cool flex. I do, I do want to say that, um, 
let's say, I want to say this was like six months ago when we were at Trivia, we were asked the question, other than the the one ring, how many you know, rings of power were forged? And I knew the answer and no one else on my team did. So you knew that it was 19 or whatever? Yeah. Nice. I don't think I would have gotten that right in the moment. I would have thought about it and been like, I know it's more than like 15, but it's like less than 25. You know, I, I yeah. would like... I wasn't entirely sure if the middle one was five or a seven, but yeah. I guess seven, and I was right. Uh, you, I knew there was a three and a nine, mm-hmm. but okay. I just, now I just for... wanted to flex there that sure. I, I was able to remember that. Now we're gonna talk about another card that's in the set that's pretty cool, and then we're gonna have a long talk after that after we get through the card. Uh, the last card for us to preview is of the One Ring itself, the legendary artifact that costs four mana. It's indestructible. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it. You gain protection from everything until your next turn. So it's kind of like Teferi's protection type thing. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each burden counter on the one ring. I love the name burden counter, by the way. It's perfect. Yeah. And then you can tap it. You put a burden counter on the one ring. And you draw a card for each burden counter on the one ring. I actually think this card's playable, Ross. Like, I, I think there's a chance that this shows up somewhere in Modern or in Legacy. Uh, we've seen the... The four casting costs mid-range stuff be actually playable and good in Legacy at some points. This plays pretty well with Karn the Great Creator in some ways too. If you play this in Tron or something like that, you can be a, a, a something for you to get. You can be like, all right, I'm gonna go get the one ring. Like the long game's like I protect myself right now. Like nothing happens. Next turn, I'm gonna draw an extra card. We'll do we'll do some stuff. And then if you're not killing me, I'm gonna do it again. And then if you have extra copies of the ring, you can kind of like keep going too. You know what I mean? Like you can just like, all right, play my next one. This one goes away. Now I'm only burdened for one. When I tap this, I only take the one and stuff. So this card to me seems like one of the mythics so far that I'm like, they might have hit on this one. Like this one might show up somewhere. Yeah. Even outside of the, you know, obvious uh, ability to make it a a Karn target, you know, these kinds of effects, this card goes a long way towards solving some of the issues that this type of effect has had over the last five or 10 years where, you're spending a lot of mana. You're not impacting the battlefield directly. You're setting up just to draw cards. And you oftentimes will fall just too far behind before you're able to leverage those cards. Um, and the, the other issue is sometimes you know, they don't do anything immediately. you got to wait till your next turn to start accruing the advantage, whatever that advantage may be. And that gives the opponent you know, a chance to remove it. This one is both difficult to remove and you can draw a card with it immediately. So it solves that one you know, uh, immediately, that's not an issue. But the other issue is, you know, can I justify spending four mana on this without impacting the battlefield? Am I going to fall too far behind? And giving yourself protection until your next turn. So, you know, you can't be targeted, you know, obviously, like, you can't, you can't be targeted be, by Thoughtseize. You can't be Thoughtseize, yeah. Your burn opponent can't do much anything of anything, but you're just not going to get attacked. You're going to save yourself that combat step from the aggro deck. That, I think, is really important. You know, you might have more things to clear up, but you've bought yourself more time to deal with it, it's, and you're drawing a bunch of cards. It's essentially a time walk, right? Like, it's, it's very much like a time walk. Like, the fact that yeah. Yeah, they get their turn. It's a time walk where they get their turn, but, like, you don't get any of the negative effects of, like, losing. So you just it's just back to you, which is nice. So, yeah, they can build up again, but, like, now you get to do whatever. Plus, if, like, you're playing Tron or whatever, it being indestructible is a pretty big deal. Because if you have Tron and this goes on and you're, like, protective, and you're like, okay, well... I'll spend my turn, you know, putting three more things into play, and you're like, oh, stone you. My my ring is still here. <laughs> like, you know, the, the one ring survives, you know, kind of thing, so. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see this in 
various, you know, artifacty decks or as a Karn target for sure. I think it's a very strong source of card advantage. Um, you know, you activate it twice, you've drawn three cards, you're taking a couple damage a turn. I think you can figure that out and make it work. And you're, I think you're likely going to then draw three cards on the lab, on the turn that you deal with, you like sacrifice it to something. And yeah, you know, you could sacrifice it to, uh, like annihilating glare and do something cool with it. it you know, even in a non-artifact centric deck, um, it, it can do this. This is, it I'm can, thinking about, <laughs> I'm just doing a lot the of logistics work. of this. Like think about this for like three years ago or five years ago. Ross, I'm like, all right. Think about if I told you this like five years ago. I'm like, all right, I'm going to activate my Karn, the Great Creator, onto the One Ring, attack you with the One Ring. Or I will negative three my Karn Liberated to remove your indestructible One Ring from the game. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this is so wild, right? You know, we've seen Black Lotus attack and stuff like this. I think there's going to be a chance that we see a One Ring start attacking people. It's just an indestructible four. Yeah, form. and soul it, animate like, it with Karn. Well, you know, uh, yeah, once like, you're done go. drawing cards with it, you just start animating it with Karn. You could do some cool Get stuff. Get in there. That. Yeah. And it's, um, your, it's your burden now, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the fact that we have the ring tempts you as a piece of rules text from the set is and that piece of rules text does not appear on the one ring yeah. seems off. Agree. You know, if there's anything that was going to cause the ring to tempt you, it should be the one ring. Oh, having the one ring. Yeah. 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 So, so that, right. that doesn't, obviously the burden counters are meant to you know mimic that, mm -hmm. but why don't those other cards just deal with burden counters and you, sure. and you create the the entire theme off yeah. of that mechanic rather than doing it one way on every other card yeah. in the set and a set, unique way for the one that's most important to be evocative. Now, speaking of evocative, Ross, speaking of... Yeah, speaking of getting the people going. <laughs> speaking of the one ring. So we talked about serialized cards in this set. We talked about the one ring. In this set, there is a serialized one ring it is going to be one of one. If there is a single copy of this card ever made, it will be only in collector or bundle packs, you know, the collector bundles or the collector packs that you can get. Um, it's it's the card we just described, except it's got, it's a, it's like a full art card, and the card is in L, it's, I'll, I'll tell you this, it's one of the coolest looking magic cards I've ever seen. It's literally just up close of the one ring, like in the lava, right before it submerges in the lava of Mount Doom. And, the card is just written in Elvish, and it's unbelievably gorgeous. I also think that this will be the most expensive magic transaction ever if it changes hands once someone opens it. Um, you know, I talked about this on Twitter. If I were to open this at my LGS, I don't think I would announce it to the room. Yeah, I would... it's like winning the lottery. Like, you you want to have a plan yeah, you for what you're doing. Away. You know, beyond like, yeah. putting it in a sleeve and yeah. a top loader. Well, it just stops, like, the biggest part of the room from hitting you and taking it. You know, like, Tanya yeah. was talking about that and some other stuff, like, you know, some other people were talking about that, like, there, there's some safety issues with this that I think are, like, a real... I'm sure there's someone at home, like, laughing about the fact that I'm bringing this up. I think it's a real concern, you know? Um, in, in LGS, I won't, I won't go any further into that because we don't need to, you know, we need to go down that road. But, you know, it's, the joke on Twitter was, you know, what's this card worth? So people are saying, you know, oh, 50,000, 100,000, 250,000, like whatever Post Malone wants to pay for it. I think Jake, Jake Paul might get involved at some point, you know, like once it starts getting into like the seven figure territory, because it is a one of one. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be extremely expensive. I think it'll be the the single most expensive card ever transaction if it happens from Magic, at least. I mean, obviously there's like baseball cards that have been, you know, millions of dollars or whatever. Um, I think it's cool. I, I actually think it's cool that it is the one ring. Because I made, the, I remember I made the joke. I was like, if they have serialized like soul rings under the one ring, that like if you get the number one when you play it, you should just gain control of all the other ones and play. 
Yeah. Like this one should definitely have like I I don't speak Elvish. I'm assuming the text is correct on there, but like maybe it does actually say that. They'll say later in the Rada, like, oh yeah, if you can like can you imagine playing a game of commander if someone plays this card against you and that is just the biggest flex in history? Obviously they have their security guard like standing over the shoulder. Some <laughs> giant some giant human being. This is like, you know, he's got his arms crossed, he's got his shades on, he's just staring you down. Like, don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. No no pictures. Like no flash photography. Kind yeah, of put your phones away. If you're gonna be opening a lot of collector boxes, bring some safety deposit box type stuff with you. Maybe open it with gloves. Cause like the worst ever, because like people are talking about this, you probably get this graded. Not in the fact that like, oh, I have the only pin, you know, because like you have the only copy of the card, but like just for authenticity type things, even though like they don't check for authenticity anymore with grading, which is an actual problem. Cause like they just had a problem with a bunch of slabbed like magic 30 cards get sold and they were just all fake or whatever. They were like in this, like they were slabbed correctly. Yeah. But they were fake cards. But there's so much to this, right? Like a, what if this just doesn't get opened right away or B like no one tells us. Cause like the price of the packs drops once this is opened, like the, the, the fury of opening packs goes down. Like this is a Willy Wonka chocolate bar golden yeah. ticket type situation. I'm, I'm going to buy exactly one collector booster of the set. You're going you're gonna to one for one it? You're just going to one for one? I'm going to buy exactly one. I mean, have you heard the prices for the collector boxes so far? What? I'm hearing like $500. For the box? Yeah. No, I'm going to buy a single pack. No, no, no. I'm telling you like, yeah, but yeah. like, you know how many packs are in a box? For like 24 or something? It's usually like 10. 10? 12. Yeah, it's like a very low amount. Like, it's a very, I, I don't remember the exact number. It's a very low amount. You're going to be paying a fuck ton per pack. Oh. Yeah, then I'm but, probably not going to do it. So, so here's the other if thing. If I too. was going to pay like $20 for a pack, I would do it, but probably you not. You should just buy that. one. You should just buy one as like a lottery ticket type thing. Like have fun with it because it is like the coolest thing that could ever happen in your magic career is you get to open the like the one ring. An another cool thing for this is until the one ring is open, obviously the packs are worth a lot and there's a all this hype. I think it uh, affords a very cool, unique opportunity for LGSs to hold tournaments where they give out product as prize. So like this kind of saved them some money along the way because like that that's a prize is pretty cool right like you get the collector packs and like hey you might open the one ring right that's really cool so until it's actually opened and proven to be opened because like I'm sure there's gonna be someone I opened it or whatever that didn't actually open it or whatever I saw it opened yeah this guy at my store opened it or whatever you know blah blah, blah. this does lead to some very bad worst case scenarios of like theft or some kid's going to open it and some store's going to offer them like $5,000 for it or like a thousand bucks cash. And they're going to be like, oh my God, yeah, please like take it. Or they're like, oh, we, we can give you like a couple thousand dollars store credit for it. And then they turn around and sell it for like a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh, like, I, I think that scenario awful. is largely mitigated by the fact that it's only in collector boosters. Yeah, that, sure. You know, that, that's a, your, that's a your low level purchasers aren't going to get in. Yeah, I, the that's the issue is going to be it ended up ending up in, you know, a box that a speculator stores so, away for a decade so that's the other thing is the point that i just made about this one my friend talked about it, he's like yeah it's just gonna end up in someone's back of their closet for 10 years and we're never gonna hear about it until it like randomly gets open but i'm like i think people are gonna open this set a lot and i think you're incentivized not to hoard this set because the price of it i think goes down once the one ring is opened so you can take the risk of hoarding and my boxes will go up or stay keep their value because the one ring never yeah. got opened but what if it does then you maybe lose money it's just a giant I game of deal or no deal People are just going to okay. keep opening cases, and it's like yeah. that offer just keeps going up, and then you hit the billion-dollar yeah. case, and you're like, well, we'll give you two bucks. Yeah, well, we'll give you two dollars, and you're like, well, I spent $500 in this box. Uh, I can do 350 <laughs> <laughs> Can you buy 350 you know, kind of thing. But yeah, so like, it, you know, it is, there's so right. much to this, but I will say this. I think it's cool. 
I think it's really, really cool so, overall. So, so let's say you 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 sure. know get some collector boosters and and yeah. you go back to your house and mm-hmm. you start opening them and you open the one ring. Sure. Right. What what is what are your next steps? What's your plan? Immediately secure it in something, right? Like into yeah. like a perfect presumably you're doing this like you're opening an alpha starter. You're like sure. wearing gloves. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna put it in. I'm gonna put it in some kind of hard case immediately. Uh, I'm going to call my bank and get a. I'll probably get it like notarized in some way, shape, or form. Like yeah. just in some way to prove that I, I yeah, have this I, thing. I, I want legal. I'm taking pictures, like paperwork yeah. that says I yeah. own this and it's real. And then it's it's going into a vault. It's going into a safety deposit box. It's going to somewhere where it, I like. Look, I own this thing. It's never. I'm, I'm letting people know it's never on me. Yeah. Like, it's literally never on me. I don't have it. Like, have you seen some of the offers that have been public offers so far for it? No. Uh, someone had a public offer of 50K. There was a public offer of 100K today with some stipulations, which are ridiculous. And then... What, what were uh, the stipulations? Uh, if you open it, and you're going to take them up on the 100K offer, you cannot tell anyone that you opened it before you give them the... before the, the purchase happens. So, like, it can't become a bidding war kind of thing. Like, I think it's one of the things. It's like, you, you know what I'm saying? You can't be like, well, I'm going to take this offer unless someone can beat it kind of thing. Like, you have to take the 100K. I saw another offer from someone that said that this was a reputable one where someone's like, they said they would give you 2.5 Bitcoin, which the last time I looked, I think there were like 25,000 or something like that. So it's like 75-ish, you know, like, I mean, uh, like, you know, 60, 70K. Yeah, but they also would give you a first-class ticket anywhere in the world to personally hand off. He's like, I want it, like, handed to me before I give you this, you know, like, like physically handed to me. And yeah. I don't know if you... I've heard of stuff like this before. Like there's um, there's definitely like the the big time vendors. When there was like somebody whose job it was, like when they were when they were doing a lot of their sales to Europe, he would just like fly from New York to Europe every now and then, like physically hand off a bunch of stuff. And it was funny. It was like he would fly to Europe, hand off a bunch of stuff, have dinner, fly home, or something like that. Like that was his day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like that sounds great. You know, he just has like this little case that he you know he has to go through security with or whatever, blah blah blah, and stuff. But that that's the minimum steps that I would take. And I would just have some proof that, that, that I have it. Like I would have like video and tape and stuff and be like, this is legit it. And like, I think my reputation is good enough that if I was like, I actually opened it, no one would question it. Even like once they see the video, like I, I could obviously troll for a yeah. little while, but I wouldn't announce it right away. But you, you know, you, you would take pictures with it after you secure it yes. and then, and then get it into a yeah. deposit box. I would announce it right away. Right. Uh, I would wait a little while, but I would tell eventually like within like, you know, probably 24, 48 hours once I got all the stuff set aside. Once I did all the th- once I did my due diligence because I want people to know that it's been opened before because like yeah it, it would suck to go out and buy like you know what I saved up a lot of money the last couple of months I'm gonna go buy like a case real quick you know because yeah. I want I want a chance of the one ring plus like the set's cool but like you know your decision you you want all the information before you make that decision kind of thing right um if you're randomly with me in an LGS and we're like drafting the set. And I just get up in the middle of the draft and don't say a word. Just know. That's probably what happens. Oh, it, it, again, it's, it's only collector boosters, not in draft boosters. You can, hey, you could draft collector boosters. I've done it before. It's awful, <laughs> but you can do it. <laughs> Look, you got to do what you got to do. We're all sort of yeah. packed and you need a draft of the house, all right? I, I just have to imagine that, you know, Watsy has some amount of control over where the one ring is going. Not like where it's shipped, you know, who gets it, but it's going to be somewhat early in the in the print run of the set so that it, it gets opened because i think they want that kind of publicity because like no, no no real quick real quick to add to what you just said that's an interesting thing right like yeah you want it to go out like early because it's like a thing but like you also don't want to get it opened too early right like you want people to buy the product like you don't want this to end up like like uh what is it it's double feature or there was another set that like they just can't get rid of like it's yeah just, it, they're 
you know, there's just stuff everywhere. People still have it unopened and stuff and unsold. Maybe, but I, I so think there's, it's, like, there's, there's, there's a tightrope there. Like, I think it's worth more to Watsy to oh, have it 100%. be in circulation. Yeah. They, they want this card opened yeah. for sure. They, they don't want this to be not opened and you know, yeah. A, there'd be the conspiracy theory. Oh, they didn't actually do it. They just wanted to sell the packs or whatever. Oh you know, God, the, that'll be insufferable. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 they did this. They made it. As yeah. far as I know, they, this is a real thing <laughs> yeah. for one. Uh, well, th- would you do anything different than what I did? No, I think you're. Uh, uh, that was my exact thought as well. I'm yeah. at the. I'm at the point where, like, if I had collector boosters of the set that I planned on opening, like, I would not do it in public. I would not do it in public. Not, yeah. not a fucking chance. Never. Like, like the, the, like, yeah, the risk is e- exceptionally low, but like you can take that risk away and make it zero. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, if you're scared of like falling out of a plane, you know, like if you jump out of a plane and your parachute on it, but you're scared of it, like the odds of it are extremely low, like unbelievably low, but you can make it zero by never jumping out of the damn plane. You know what I mean? And so as much as it sucks, cause like, I gotta say one of the coolest things in the last few years that I've had with magic when it comes to this kind of stuff, the secondary market was like, when Modern Horizons 2 came out and there's like really cool cards open, it was just opening packs with people. And you're like, oh, I hit the foil, you know, Force Indication or the, you know, the alt art thing that I really wanted. Everybody's like, oh, I really want this. So if you open one, let me know. Like, we'll, we'll trade. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Cause like, you know, I, I'm more of just a fish. Like, I'm just opening up the stuff. I'm a whale. You know, I'm just, I'm not looking for a specific thing. I just want to open fun stuff and then keep opening because I don't get to open packs. And, and it's just fun to me. Right. And stuff. And it takes that away a little bit. Like, people are still going to open their packs at, at at the LGS. If you want to do that, do that. If you feel safe, I just want to warn people that there is a non-zero chance that something can happen with this card. Because you've never been in an LGS or something before where you loosely open $250,000 or whatever. Yeah. You know, some absurd A life-changing amount of money. Yeah, some thing. Like, like I... I don't even know what to say anymore with this. Like, it's just so wild, right? This is this is a one-of-a-kind thing. Like, I don't know if we're going to have something like this again in Magic. Yeah. And and while it can be fun to have conversations like this, oh, like, well, you know, what would you do if you open it? You know, are you going to buy a bunch of the product? And, like, all this, you know, speculation. My ultimate reaction to things like this is, like, what the hell? <laughs> well, like, why, why are you what? doing this? Because... Well, it, it's cool for exactly this, right? For the one ring. But, yeah. Like, I get where you're going with this. But, like, this... There's at least part of it. Is there at least part of you thinks it's cool before you go on your rant? That thinks like this is kind of cool. There, no, there are no aspects of it that are cool, but on the there's whole, no, I despise sure. it. Sure, I just don't. I don't want to have to think about that. I don't. I'm you know that endless speculation about you know who's going to open it, when it's going to get opened. You know, just creating this level of an artificially scarce commodity. It you're bringing out all the worst aspects of people. <laughs> you know, Magic already does that to some extent. You know, you know, packs are, you know, just loop, real-life loot boxes. And now you're like, you've just skewed it to the most extreme length possible. And so you're magnifying all of the negative implications of loot sure. boxes by doing this to an absurd degree. And that's why we have to have, like, that's the only reason you have these conversations. Like, you know, you open a foil Raghavan in your MH2 pack, you just put it in a sleeve. And they're like, you know, you don't worry that, you know, beyond that, you don't worry too much about it. You know, I guess like, you know, the, the, we went through this a little bit with, uh, with hidden treasures, 
right? When in the Zendikar packs, when they put like a, mm-hmm. some power and dual lands and stuff in, yeah, like didn't Dave Williams open up like an underground? Like obviously he does. Yeah, he's so, a lucky you know, human being alive. So, or... uh, but even then, like you know, back then a Black Lotus was like five hundred to a thousand dollars, something in that range. It, it, it was it was more at the time. It was still a few grand. Um, I don't, I don't think it was that time. A, a no, white border one in the late two thousands. Oh, a white border one. I think even then it was still. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it, condition it you know, matters a lot. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, it's it's not important yeah, to the argument. So, uh, you know, this is orders of magnitude beyond even that, and and that was crazy when yeah. it happened yeah. because it was in you know regular packs. People were could open them when they were just drafting and. You're you opening know, a Babe Ruth rookie card. Like, you're opening, like, yeah. just some ridiculous thing that does... Like, this thing doesn't actually exist. You know what I mean? Like, you get what I'm saying by that? Like, I'm not being... Like, don't take me literally. Take yeah. me what I mean by, like, this doesn't... It's, it's not a real thing, but it will happen to someone. Like, someone will win the lottery. Like, it's like when the lottery reaches that, those absurd numbers when it's, like, yeah. 1.4 billion or whatever, and, like, you're actually mathematically supposed to buy a ticket at that point, you know, kind of thing. Like this isn't the same level, but it is for magic. Yeah. Like this, and this look at what happens happened. to people who win the lottery. Like you know, it, there's many stories about the horrible things that happen with you know because the family they, members and stuff. You know, and all, they get people it. coming out of the woodwork trying to get money. They get robbed. Like all these this horrible stuff. Like uh, you know, again, this is that's even orders of magnitude beyond this. But it does it does yeah. get into that range where it you know. Uh, I I guess that's like the most flavorful thing about it, right? If you if you're the person that who opens dangerous. the one ring, you yeah. can have a lot of bad things befall you. But it's, it's right, it's such a flavor win. Like <laughs> there's that you have the option of you can not tell anyone, you can take it, go live in a cave somewhere, and just yeah. hoard just around the, the it ring while calling for, it my know. precious for a thousand yeah, years. You, just, you could do that for rings, or hear me out. Here's the other one: you make a big deal about it when you open it, right, with your friends. All of you fly to Hawaii, and then you walk up a fucking volcano and throw the bitch in there. That would be awesome. <laughs> It'd be pretty, like, the GoFundMe that would happen, like, you could make some money off of it. Like, you could at least get the trip funded, for sure. Like, I'd, I'd yeah. throw, like, 50 bucks this guy's I, way. I've heard it know? suggested that it, it you need to work with Mr. Beast to do the, it, like, because he, oh, he would do something yeah. like that for the content. Mr. Beast would snap this off. He'd pay, yeah. he'd be like, yeah, I got this. He'd be like, yeah, 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 I got this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll be your I'll be your Frodo. Yeah, it's like I'll be your Uncle Barry. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's the other thing too. What if he's got to carry the other one up like the last little <laughs> leg of the trip? <laughs> yeah, it's stuff. Oh man, there's there's some fun stuff with this that you can do. But again, just be careful. And yeah, it's it's a huge flavor win. Absolutely huge flavor win. The one the one thing's great. The fact that it's risky for you to have it. People around you're gonna be tempted to take it from you, like. You know, it's like um, it's like the end of the Fellowship movie. Spoiler alert: when he like has to leave the party, like that's what it is. If you're a, you're in an LGS and you open this, you have to very quietly like turn invisible and sneak out the back. Yep. Yeah. But uh, and maybe if you have a Sam, hopefully you have a Sam with you. Like yeah, you that's, gonna be, that's gonna that's gonna be your back. You're gonna need a, yeah. you're gonna need a Sam. I mean, Frodo would have would have failed a million times without Sam. Yeah. He's yeah. a hero. Yeah, Sam's the actual. Yeah, yeah. So that. Yeah, man, I don't know what else to say about this. It's 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 wild. I will say this: I wish it was a card that we could like that artwork that we could have because it's like really cool. Like there, I don't think I don't think there's version of this card other than just this, like with this art and this look, because it's it's pretty dope. But I don't care how cool I think it looks or to own it. If I get this, I'm selling it. Like it's life changing money. 
Oh, selling it. Do, do we know what the size of the print run for collector boosters of this set uh, is? Like? Someone someone did the math on it on Twitter the other day or whatever. It's like a it's like a zero point zero 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 one or three. I can't remember or something like that. It's it's pretty like they they think there's a million packs. Okay, so it's it's, so a it's one like in a million. <laughs> that's what they think. Yeah, like you know, what I mean, there's no there's that. there's no also like how many are opened is is, yeah, is yeah. another. You know, like, because, like, that's what I'm saying. You you can get all the real numbers, and then none of it's actually real. But it, is there only is there only one shipment of this? Like, are they only printing? Are they printing this order? Or are they are they stopping at some number? You know, like, I mean, there's there's a lot to this. But having one of these cards, having it be a one in a million, should it, you know ostensibly raise the price, the value of the packs by the value of the one ring over the number divided by the number of packs, right? So even if you can sell it for half a million dollars, you know, you assume that, which I think is higher than the current offers that we're seeing, though people are mm-hmm. speculating that it could be worth more once it eventually does get sold. Uh, you know, you shouldn't, that shouldn't influence you to pay more than, you know, another 50 cents per pack. But it does seem like people are, I don't, I don't know how much collector boosters are normally for like a lot, a like standard legal dollars usually. Yeah. But now we're going to be paying like twice the more that. Expensive ones. Yeah, yeah. I think you're paying like 40, 50 bucks maybe. There's other parts too that I didn't think about this. So like there are stores, right, that just every time they get product, they open a bunch for singles. A, what if an LGS opens this? They are incentivized not to tell you until they've sold all their packs at their uh, extra price or whatever, and now they're not going to order it. B, like what if you're the owner of a store and one of your employees like opens this and it's supposed to be like, you know, they're opening stuff for your store like or they're not going to tell you. <laughs> They're just not going to tell you. That's not happening. Like, I don't care who you are and how honorable you think you are. There's no way. Yeah. Like, I, maybe if your owner, like, tells you ahead of time and they're like, look, if you physically open this in my store, like, I'll I'll cut you in, you know, kind of thing. But, like, you need to tell me. Because, because like, here's the other thing. I'm an owner of an LGS. I tell one of my, my employees, hey, you're going to be opening this stuff and I'm not there. Right? He does that. The next couple of days, like, doesn't come into work. And then, like, I see a week or two later that, like, he sold the card. Like, you best believe I'm getting some some legal stuff happening. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, it's pretty obvious what happened there, you know? Kind of stuff. So, like, there, and, like, this, we, we're just scratching the surface on, on the, the, the cool to the bad things that could happen for this. And, again, so thematic. Love what Watsy did here. Just, it's it's so perfect. The, <laughs> the ring is a... It, Ross, it is a gift. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not. So, yeah, it's so thematic, man. I'm loving everything about it. Like, uh, can you think of another, like, property that we could do something similar to this? Like, I- I'm trying to, like, off the top of my mind, like, I was like, you know, Star Wars, Marvel. Like, there's, there's like, I don't know of anything else that we could do. Like, like, like in Marvel, you could maybe have the, like, five Infinity Stones. Yeah, that, that, that one came to mind. Um... Or I'm sorry, the six. I'm sorry, the six Infinity Stones. Jesus, but I I don't know. They're really like the one ring that even the name, right? You know, I don't think there's another name that's that evocative of uniqueness. Yeah, like they were all of them deceived. You know, that kind of thing. Sorry, uh, I, I feel like I've gained and lost a lot of nerd cred on this show or whatever. But whatever, I don't really care. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I have anything else to say about the one ring which i never knew when i was making a magic podcast that i would talk about the one ring for this long yeah i i sort of figured that was going to come you knew you knew eventually we were going to start talking about the one ring Mm. yeah you know 
the the writing's been on the wall with all of these IP crossovers. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is such an obvious one. Oh yeah. Okay, so like we've been asked these questions before. Have have you thought of another crossover that you would want that we haven't seen yet, or maybe something? I just would... don't want any of them. I just I want Seriously, them to make about like... half as many magic cards as they make. There's there's just nothing. Are you are you really that? There's just nothing like if they made a Utah Jazz crossover, like you, you, I, I don't know what to tell you, Tannen. I've never played Magic for the flavor of the game. I have always, I either, but I still appreciate it. I've always played it as the cards being game pieces and the game being it's awesome. To you. Yeah, it's chess yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just always been my relationship with it, and you know, everybody just has to respect that. So, like I've said this on the show before, they haven't really got me yet. Like, like I have a copy of Dritz, you know, like because like, I loved that character growing up. But like, there's gonna be some secret layer or something at some point where I'm like, yeah, you got me. Like, I just I have to buy these, and like, yeah, I might just buy four. You know, like if they do a, a you know a certain thing that I just like absolutely love, or I see it, I just love the the job they did on it. Then I, uh, you're just gonna get me. And like, look, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. But I'm wanna, not on my way to buy this. You want a ahead. cat secret layer? Is that a cat secret? I'm. I think I'm good. Is that is that from being at the uh, the event at the uh, Pro Yeah. Speaking of that, we did actually have a question in the uh, the mailbag. This is a really good segue, by the way. <laughs> we had a question in the mailbag from Boom Boom Zoom. I love that name. And they said, "With the return of the Pro Tour, I was wondering, how does it change the preparation uh, for pro teams? How does what change the preparation?" The Pro Tour is, rel- is relatively similar yeah. to what it used to be for four years ago. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not sure I uh, I get the question. Like, I don't think it's going to change. Like, so it won't change for the, the old hats, right? Like the people that have already done this, and like we could see that they just did what they pretty much always do. They formed a couple little groups, they did some testing, and they went from there. Um, I don't think any way that it's new, like like the things that have changed, is going to change any of that in the way that it's been done in the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the changes to the OP system are are largely cosmetic when it comes to yeah. the the tournament itself. Like, you know, do you still just want to do well in the tournaments, and you do that by preparing with really good players? And um, yeah, I do think in person preparation is generally the best. That there's no real replicating, like being in the same room with people and um, you know getting those reps, especially with with paper drafts, but. You know, there's something to be said for volume. So I like to blend the two. I like to be a little bit more uh, on my own or in a very small group to start. And then we develop some ideas. And then a bunch of us come together and start, you know, uh, comparing and contrasting the ideas that we've had. And and then we go together as a a unit from there. Um, I have not, uh, I have yet to actually be on a team that has implemented that perfectly. It's difficult to do because you're dealing with schedules of everyone and, and stuff like that. So. Uh, but that's you know generally like how I like to do it. Um, but th- that there's not much appreciable change from what you know pro tour preparation was five, ten, fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly the same. Like I don't think it's been changing for me either. Like I was always kind of fluid with it, right? Like if I had a team, if I had an option to, to you know test with a team, like I've done the, the full spectrum. I've done like prep by myself pretty much, uh, prep with a few close friends. Prep with a group of guys that I really liked. We got well together. You know, we we got along well, and we talked about it. And then up to like the quote unquote like super teams. I've, I've I've even gotten to do like one of those, and that one was weird even then. That was for uh, Pro Tour. Uh, it's not Pro Tour twenty five, but the Pro Tour twenty fifth anniversary, the team one. Like 
it was a very unique experience for me because like some of the people that I was talking to, you know, uh, I, I have the name drop obviously, but like, you know, David Williams is in there, Gabe Nassif, Eric Froelich, uh, Kai Bude, like, you know, like, like, like a lot yeah. of these, like, you know, it was like all of them and they got, Jesus I got brought Christ. in. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Right. You know, uh, yeah. well, like I got brought in a for, for legacy, obviously. And then I was teamed up with Brendan DeCandio and uh, Amaz at the time. And like, it was very nice of them to reach out and let us in and be like, they knew that, you know, Brendan and I could like at least bring something to the table. Right. And this was before my neck got banned too, which is the funny part. And, um, the testing group they really ended up breaking standard, even though we didn't play the deck because they, they figured it out. Like they got it really right. Like three days before, two days before. And I was like, should I switch over the deck? I was like, you know, absolutely not. You know, like you knew his deck really well. He did, I think, have the best record on the team. But I remember a conversation at one point, we were talking about something at legacy and I was talking with Kai he was like, you know, what do you think about this or that or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like giving him my honest opinion on stuff, right? Like, I'm not going to pull my punches. I'm going to tell him my honest opinion, especially when I'm brought in for that reason, right? I'm not going to like, you know, temper words. And he was just like, yeah, I think I disagree on this, you know, like because of this or like blah, blah, blah. Like, I like this, even though I did, like there was a deck they were testing that I thought like, I was just like, I would never play this in a paper tournament. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't play this deck. Like, it just like, I didn't think it like sucked, but it was just like slow. Like people weren't going to concede to you. I was just like, you know, like I just like, I didn't want to play this deck, right? And they were, yeah. a lot of them were on it. And I gave him my honest opinion. He's like, yeah, I'm not sure I like, you know, he's like, he, he didn't agree with some of my stuff. And at one point I was like, guy, you can take whatever, you, you can take whatever I say with a grain of salt. You can take it for granted. However, it, you, you can take it however you want, you know, or whatever. I just want you to understand that you have one more pro tours than I have played in at that point, you know? So I was like, you can think whatever you want, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I'm just giving you my opinion. You know, it was just funny to have him ask me. He's like, what do you think of this? And I was just like, what? <laughs> you're asking me you know kind of thing but you know that was a that was a pretty funny moment in my career where i was just like ah, it's like a it's like that joke where you're like i, I don't think i should be here i uh <laughs> I, I feel like i don't i don't you know what i mean like if someone were to look at this conversation they're like one of these doesn't belong you know and stuff oh, so yeah. like i was the only person in there without like a bro or top eight or whatever you know i'm like this is stupid you know kind of thing but anyway uh I think that about does it for this week's episode. Uh, we've been keeping track of the March of Machines. The, the, I'm sorry, the mom spoilers. Uh, we're going to probably do, we're going to wait till maybe get a little bit more of those before we do a show on more of that. Because, you know, that's going to be relevant. It's going to be standard legal. There's some really cool stuff that's already been previewed for that. And maybe we'll get some more sometime soon. So we can talk about that more. I think we but... are getting more of the mom set soon because that, that's coming out before the Lord of the Rings set. Yeah. So I think they're going to finish up mom. Like... Then we're going to have a full preview season for lord of the rings this is just kind of yeah. like the the appetizer wet the beak yeah little 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 uh little little plate you know almost like some tapas right before yeah. your uh little, before little your pasto. Uh, yeah dude uh, i uh i've been craving a tapas restaurant sometimes i need to go so i might look into that for for later tonight but ross you're awesome love you buddy miss you thanks for uh you know helping me out and thanks for keeping look honestly i'm proud of you with your rant today i really am like it wasn't overboard. He didn't yell that much. You know, you, yeah. the voice raised a little bit. But... But this is what happens when we wait a day. Like, if we had done mm-hmm. the show yesterday, then there would have been beers, more maybe. yelling. It's a little bit it, more raw. Maybe a few beers as well. Yeah, I haven't, haven't had any beers yet today. You you, you, uh, you you seem to me like you're more... You, you yell a little bit more when you've had a few more beers. Than you. You're oh, more that's likely very to true. yell. Yeah. The, the number... Like... There's a graph, and both of the lines go up exponentially with the numbers of beers and the yelling. So, <laughs> yeah, they are. It's, it's they are directly correlated and yes, exactly. strongly correlated. Yeah, <laughs> the chain of screaming is <laughs> exactly so. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody at home this week. Uh, hopefully, you had as much fun doing this episode as we did because this is actually really cool. And I actually enjoyed this and talking Lord of the Rings. It was a lot of fun. So, hopefully, something cool like this happens again sometime soon. And we'll probably end up coming back to this at some point over the next couple episodes because we're going to get more information on this stuff and, you know, some more cards yeah. and maybe some cool cards for, for modern as and well. We'll start so. previewing the next set because previous season never ends. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> buy from MTG Rants slash your, your preview season spoiler people. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all next episode.